Stakeholder capitalism is something I've talked a lot about this year on The Great Reset, and it's actually way worse than I initially thought it was. At its surface level, it sounds like corporate virtue signaling because they want to have everybody involved from you know, the community to the government to suppliers, etc., etc. But in reality, it's about giving corporations more power over society along with our democratic institutions, which means we are definitely heading towards a cyberpunk dystopia if we don't stop this nonsense. This article comes from Open Democracy. Conspiracy theories aside, there's something fishy about the Great Reset. It's a corporate takeover of global governance that affects our food, data, and our vaccines. Which my response is, no kidding. Thanks for finally catching on. Yes, in the future, by 2030, if they have their way, You'll own nothing, you'll have no privacy, and you'll never be more miserable because you're nothing more than a corporate surf. Now, I'm skipping the first three paragraphs mainly because there's nothing new to be covered here. It would just be a rehash of things I've already talked about from previous articles, basically what the Great Reset is, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to be starting here, the real Great Reset. The magic words are stakeholder capitalism, a concept that the WEF chairman Klaus Schwab has been hammering for decades and which occupies pride of place in the WEF's Great Reset Plan from June 2020. The idea is that global capitalism should be transformed so that corporations no longer focus solely on serving shareholders, but become custodians of society by creating value for customers, suppliers, employees, communities, and other stakeholders. The thing that bothers me the most about that sentence is the idea that they actually want to have companies be the custodian society. That is a terrible idea. The whole point of a corporation is to provide a product or a service and to make money off of it, not be the arbitrators of what it means to be good and right within a society. That is a that is very dangerous. The way the West sees stakeholder capitalism being carried out is through a range of multi-stakeholder partnerships, bringing together the private sector, government, and civil society across all areas of global governance. And the way it is phrased, it sounds like that corporations should, in reality, have more power than governments, which technically they kind of do if you take a look at Twitter going and deplatforming a sitting president, which is actually kind of frightening. But yet... The Taliban still has a Twitter account. The idea of stakeholder capitalism and multi-stakeholder partnerships might sound warm and fuzzy until we dig deeper and realize this is actually means giving corporations more power over society and democratic institutions less. Now, I'm a libertarian. I want smaller government and I want them to have less and less power over my day-to-day -day life. The last thing I want is for that power to be transferred to a non-elected body like a corporation and have them start making those decisions on my behalf. The plan for which the Great Reset originated was the Global Redesign Initiative. Drafted by the WEF after the 2008 economic crisis, the initiative contains a 600-page report on transforming global governance. In the West's vision, the government voice would be one among many without always being the final arbiter. 
governments would just be one stakeholder in a multi-stakeholder model of global governance. Harris Gleckman, senior fellow at the University of Massachusetts, described the report as the most comprehensive proposal for redesigning global governance since the formulation of the United Nations during World War II. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the UN. I at times find it to be a bit of an unmitigated disaster. That's my opinion. But this sounds like it's going to make things a lot worse because it's giving corporations all the freaking power. Who are these other non-governmental stakeholders? The WEF, best known for its annual meeting of high net worth individuals in Davos, Switzerland, described itself as an international organization for public-private cooperation. WEF partners include some of the biggest companies in oil. Saudi Aramco, Shell, Chevron, BP, Food, Unilever, the Coca-Cola Company, Nestle, Technology, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, and Pharmaceuticals. AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna. Now, I want to point out that some of the companies on this list actually made a lot of money during the pandemic, specifically the ones that are filed under technology and pharmaceuticals. Obviously, not the oil companies because nobody was freaking driving. Instead of corporations serving as many stakeholders, in the multi-stakeholder model of global governance, corporations are promoted to being official stakeholders in global decision-making while governments are regulated to being one of many stakeholders. In practice, corporations become the main stakeholders, while governments take a backseat role and civil society is mainly window dressing. And it makes sense why the failed economist Klaus Schwab is pushing for stakeholder capitalism, because it gives corporations more power than the government, and they're going to own everything. That's going to include your home, your clothing, your appliances, and they're going to rent everything back to you. They're even going to own your data, which is why you're not going to have any privacy. This is far more dystopian than I initially thought it was going to be. Dr. Rechtenwald was right. This is going to turn into corporate feudalism, and you're going to be the new techno surf. The multi-stakeholder ecosystem. Perhaps the most symbolic example of this shift is the controversial strategic partnership agreement the United Nations signed with the WEF in 2019. Harris Gleckman described this as a move to turn the UN into a public-private partnership, creating a special place for corporations inside the UN. Now, the article doesn't directly state this, and this is what I'm kind of reading into it. It sounds like, to me, what they're planning on doing is giving corporations a seat on the UN Council. And I don't think I need to go into detail on why that is a bad idea, but I'm going to anyway. It means that corporations have the ability to go and influence global policies. And we think vaccine mandates are a bad idea. Just wait till you see what will be coming because of that. The multi-stakeholder model is already being built in recent years. An ever-expanding ecosystem of multi-stakeholder groups has spread across all sectors of the global governance system. There are now more than 45 global multi-stakeholder groups that set standards and establish guidelines and rules in a range of areas. According to Gleckman, these groups, which lack any democratic accountability, consist of private stakeholders, big corporations, who recruit their friends in government, civil society, and universities to join them in solving public problems. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's give a bunch of entities that have zero accountability and their cronies 
the ability to influence the public good. Multi-stakeholderism is the West's updated multilateralism, which is the current system through which countries work together to achieve common goals. The multilateral system's core institution is the UN. The multilateral system is often rightly accused of being ineffective, too bureaucratic, and skewed towards the most powerful nations. And if you go and do the math on that one, it sounds like things are probably going to be skewed towards the more powerful corporations. But it is at least theoretically democratic because it brings together democratically elected leaders of the countries to make decisions in the global arena. Instead of reforming the multilateral system to deepen democracy, the West's vision of multi-stakeholder governance entails further removing democracy by sidelining governments and putting unelected stakeholders, mainly corporations, in their place when it comes to global decision making. How on earth does anyone think this is a good idea and why is the UN going along with it? Never mind. That was a stupid question. It's the UN we're talking about. Put bluntly, multi-stakeholder partnerships are public-private partnerships on the global stage. And they have real-world implications for the way our food systems are organized, how big tech is organized, and how our vaccines and our medicines are distributed. Okay, I have to issue a correction at this point. In my previous videos, when I said that they're trying to basically create global communism and global socialism, I was dead wrong. What they're really trying to put in place is a corporatocracy, a society or system that is governed or controlled by corporations. And that's exactly what the Great Reset is. In autumn of 2021, the UN is set to host the World Summit on Food Systems in Rome. This is necessary given that 3.9 billion people, more than half of the world's population, are currently battling hunger and malnutrition, even though there is enough food to feed the world. I always hate this argument that we have enough food to feed the world. We do not live in a post-scarcity society. Just I want to make sure that is abundantly clear. Second off, I'm not saying that we should not be helping nations that are less fortunate than us. I mean, look what we did in the 80s for Ethiopia when they were hit with a massive famine. But at the same time, we should be helping these nations go and be able to go and develop their own food supplies so they're not relying on other countries. After all, if, you're, if they're going to practice what they preach, which is sustainability – these countries have to be able to go and sustain their own food supply and not rely on everybody else on the planet. But this year's summit differs significantly from the past to UN food summits, embracing multi-stakeholder inclusivity, in which the private sector has an important role. A concept note from 2019 showed that the WEF was set to be involved in organizing the summit, though it is not clear what the role of the WEF will be. Now, there's something I want to point out when it comes to food. Right now, you have a bunch of billionaires going out and buying up large swaths of farmland and ranch land. Bill Gates is now the largest owner of farmland in the United States. Well, why is that? Well, besides the obvious, which is they're not making any more land and it's a good investment, it means he can be potentially one of the largest controllers of our food supply, which is frightening if you really think about it. Man, the people look like ants from up here. They are ants, Michael. They are ants. Abandoning pesticides is not on the table. How come, asks Sofia Monoslav, 
of FIAN International, a human rights organization focused on food and nutrition. There is no discussion on land concentration or holding companies accountable for their environmental and labor abuses. This fits into a bigger picture Monoslav sees of a large corporation which dominates the food sector being reluctant to fix the production system. They just want to come up with new investment opportunities. And technically, she's not wrong. This video by CNBC, which I highly recommend you go and watch, details why corporations and billionaires are going and buying up farmland and basically what those drawbacks are. In a nutshell, it means that small farmers no longer have the ability to go and purchase land to go and farm. Instead, they have to go and lease it. FIAN International, together with 300 other organizations, have expressed their concerns about the multi-stakeholder setup in an open letter to the Security General of the UN, Antonio Gutierrez. In a meeting with civil society groups who signed the letter, Amina Mohammed, the UN Deputy Secretary General, assured that strong safeguards would prevent a corporate capture of the event by allowing only platform or networks and no single corporation to the summit. But for Monoslav, this only makes it worse. Now corporations can protect their interest and hide behind these platforms because it's unclear who is there. Indeed, a corporate partner list is nowhere to be found on the official website. The FSS organizers were contacted for comment, but had not responded by the time of publication. I think it's a really bad idea that a bunch of large corporations are basically controlling where food comes from. It used to be the small farm, which would go and, for the most part, supply food to the local community. Now, that obviously has all changed, and large corporate farms are basically the name of the game these days. Now, with the Great Reset looming with 2030, it's not a bad idea to learn to prep and start growing your own food. And I'm not talking about just having enough food in case of an emergency. I'm talking about becoming more self-reliant, maybe starting a small garden, get some chickens, raise some eggs, see where you can take things. But I think we need to become more self-sufficient. That's something that I'm doing. I have a ranch now. I'm going to start trying to implement ways of getting my own food just in case things get really bad. Also, I have a place to retreat to. God forbid society goes and collapses on us. The signatories to the letter fear that with corporate involvement in the summit, food will continue to be treated as a commodity and not as a human right. I want to point out that food is not a human right. You can't simply walk into a grocery store and demand food. You have to go and purchase it. So yes, to a degree, unless you're growing it yourself, it is a commodity. You are not guaranteed food. You have to be responsible for yourself and find either a means of acquiring it through going to the grocery store and paying for it or growing it yourself. If unchanged, the industrial food system will continue to have irreversible impacts on our health and the health of our planet. Now, they really are making the case on why you should be responsible for where your own food comes from. Either you growing it yourself or maybe going down to the local farmer's market and acquiring your food that way. Even going and making a deal with a rancher to get maybe like a side of beef. There are other methods than going and just dealing with large corporations for where your food comes from. It's a little bit more of a pain in the ass, but it is doable.
Big Tech Governing Big Tech. Another landmark in the development of stakeholder capitalism can be found in the big tech sector. As part of his 2020 roadmap for digital cooperation, the UN Secretary General called for the formation of a new strategic empowerment multi-stakeholder high-level body. Again, it's not easy to find a list of stakeholders, but after doing some digging, a long list of roundtable participants for the roadmap includes Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and the WEF. And again, here we have another example of a non-elected body that is going to be making decisions about our daily lives, and yet we will not be having any input into it. Although the functions laid out for this new body are quite vague, civil society organizations fear it will come down to big tech creating a global body to govern itself. This risks institutionalizing these companies, resistance against effective regulation both globally and nationally, and increasing their power over governments and multilateral organizations. If the body comes to fruition, it could be a decisive victory for the ongoing war GAFAM. Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft is waging with governments over tax evasion, antitrust rules, and their ever-expanding power over society. Now, it's not as easy as simply walking away from these companies. After all, the majority of them basically kind of dominate our lives. Look at Google, for instance. Odds are you're watching this video on YouTube and you probably use Google as a search engine. Now, there are alternatives out there, such as DuckDuckGo. You can use that for your search engine or you can use Brave as your browser instead of Chrome or simply just not use a Chromium browser. But when it comes down to the base platform, that's where things get a little bit more difficult. Odds are you're using a PC with Windows or a Apple device of some kind. For me as a content creator, it's a little bit more difficult because I like using Adobe products and those things don't work on Linux. So I can learn something else or I can simply bite the bullet. Now, as far as my daily driver device, I could probably just get away with using Linux and just keep my PC for you know recording and doing live streams. The easiest way for us to go and fight back is to limit our use of these products. One of the things I did is I replaced my Apple Watch with just a regular watch. And I went and I bought a Google Pixel phone and I loaded an, a um, privacy-based operating system on it called Calyx. That way I'm not using the stock Android operating system that has come from Google. And I use that to replace my iPhone. So I've slowly gone and decoupled certain things from my life when it comes to big tech. As for social media, we can simply not use it. But again, like I said, odds are you're watching this on YouTube, which again is a social media platform. More than 170 civil society groups worldwide have signed another open letter to the Secretary General of the UN, this time to prevent the digital government's body from forming. The Secretary General was approached for comment but had not replied at the time of publication. Ultimately, the only thing I can really add here is that this is a problem that we created because we gave these companies all this power to influence our lives. And now they're going to UN to try and gain more of it. So do what you can to try and limit your use of these companies, even if it's just a little bit. There's the COVAX. The COVAX initiative aims to accelerate the development and manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccines and to guarantee fair and equitable access for every country in the world. That, again, sounds wonderful, especially given the staggering inequities in vaccination levels between rich and developing countries. If you say so. Oh, and because I have to consult your doctor. But why is the World Health Organization, WHO, which is part of the UN, not calling the shots? 
countries together through unilateral agencies like the WHO were supposed to, I think they mean, make decisions about global health issues with maybe some technical support by others, says, and I'm probably going to go and butcher this name, Sulakshanana Nadani from NGO People's Health Movement, which has recently brought out a policy brief on COVAX. Now, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of commentary about what's going on with COAX simply because I don't know a whole lot about it. But it's another fine example of an unelected body making decisions where I guess the UN is kind of an elected body. I'm not exactly a big fan of them. Anyway, the corporations are making decisions instead of governments, and it's not a great thing. It's really not. COVAX was set up as a multi-stakeholder group by two other multi-stakeholder groups, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and SEPTI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. In partnership with The Who, both Gavi and SEPTI have strong ties with the World Economic Forum, which was one of the founders of SEPTI, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and both are also connected to companies like Pfizer. GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca, and Johnson Johnson through manufacturing partnerships, Gavi, or as supporters, SEPTI. Even though COVAX is founded predominantly by governments, it is these corporate-centered coalitions that are overseeing its rollout. The contrast between the multi-stakeholder approach and a classic multilateral one came to surface when South Africa and India proposed the so-called TRIPS waiver, at the end of last year, they requested a temporary lifting of intellectual property rules on COVID technologies in order to boost the manufacturing and distribution of vaccines and other essential medical products in many developing countries. Who Director General, whose name I really can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try, said in a speech that he backed the proposal. But Gavi and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, even Bill Gates himself and Big Pharma oppose this proposal very strongly, said Nandy. It's more important for them to protect their interests and marketing mechanisms than to protect universal health or protect people from COVID. The WHO was approached for comment, but has not replied. Again, there is a stark choice between a human rights-led approach carried out by the UN and a profit-led approach carried out by a multi-stakeholder bodies representing the interests of corporations. In the case of COVAX, which is failing to meet its modest aim of vaccinating 20% of the populations of low- and mid-income countries, the former won out. Now, I don't think it matters if it's a corporation or a government. If there's absolutely zero accountability, you can see that they're pretty much going to do whatever the hell they want. Stake out stakeholder capitalism. So even if the WEF or Bill Gates is not responsible for the COVID pandemic, even if the vaccines are not laced with microchips to control your thoughts, something fishy really is going on in the realm of global governance. You don't say. <laughs> if you value your right to public health, to privacy to access healthy foods, or to democratic representation, be wary of the words stakeholder capitalism when they pop up at the next Davos summit. The WEF was approached for comment on the issues raised in this article, but had not replied at the time of publication. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. In my opinion, stakeholder capitalism is far worse than I initially thought it was. Like I said, I thought it was, an, was about global socialism, 
which it's not. It's about corporatism, which is, in my opinion, a little bit worse because, well, you have unelected bodies making decisions for us. And that's a bad thing. Now, how do we go and push back? And that's the thing that is always the most difficult to come up with. In the case of big tech, well, maybe don't buy stuff from Amazon as often as you used to. Maybe look at using alternatives to Google, such as the Brave browser, or maybe using Odyssey instead of YouTube, which again is a little more difficult. Spend a little bit less time on social media. If you have a Facebook account and you don't use it, go and delete it. That way they're not collecting more of your data. And like I said, what I did to take the power back from big tech is I bought a Pixel phone and I loaded Calyx on it to make sure that I wasn't giving Apple more of my information. Not all these things are going to solve our problems, but it's the little things we can do to basically chip away at the stone that the big tech has built over the years. That's all I got for tonight. This is Ian signing off. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.